There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello. Are you receiving this transmission? This is the Nerdist Podcast number 283. Welcome. Uh, there's a new Hard and Firm video up right now on YouTube.com slash Nerdist, the Nerdist channel. And uh, it is a love song to the Gersberms girl. And you're probably saying to yourself, Chris Hardwick, that meme is several months old. Yes, you would be right. Just so you know, we came up with the idea several months ago, but it just took this long to get special guests in the video like Melissa Rausch from Big Bang Theory, uh, Haley Williams, Swedish chef, for instance. So we got a Muppet, and it's a chef. I was freaking out. So anyway, so that's why it took so long to pull all that stuff together, was coordinating everyone's schedules, and now we were finally able to just put up the video. So that's over at the Nerdist channel uh, right now. Check that out. This episode is Max Landis. Uh, Max is one of Chloe's best friends, and he's probably one of the most prolific young scribes in the entertainment business right now. He wrote the movie Chronicle. Uh, he wrote this thing and directed this thing called Death and Return of Superman on YouTube, which was fantastic. And I think he's probably sold a movie at every studio uh, right now. And Max is interesting because he's a very polarizing figure. And I think part of the reason is that he just doesn't give a shit what people think, which I kind of respect because I feel like I give too much of a shit sometimes. And uh, I'd never really had the opportunity to sit down and talk to him and when we did we really discovered this uh incredibly sensitive uh sweet guy who had kind of a rough go uh growing up and uh and seriously he's so fucking smart that uh uh there was a part at the end you they took a couple months for this podcast to get put up and i think you'll you'll hear a bunch of references to gangnam style those were new when we recorded this podcast. And the reason being, we recorded the hour-long podcast. We said, enjoy your burrito. Everyone kind of leaned back in their chairs. And we started talking about the process of pitching movies. And Max kind of laid out this really gorgeous, like, there are three ways to pitch a movie, and here's how you do it. And I thought it was such amazing information um, that we, uh, but we hadn't captured it because we ended the podcast. So I had him come back, retell it, and then we stitched it on to the end uh, for you creative types. So uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. It was, it was super enlightening for us and uh, just such an interesting glimpse uh, inside his brain. He's kind of a mad genius. So I hope you enjoy this. There's podcast episode number 283 with Max Landis. Now entering Nerdist.com.
Yeah, that's good. Oh, then, shit. Chris, you sound cool. No. <laughs> and then I think, let's see, your headphone volume is right, right there, I think. Yeah. You're the first one. Mine. I guess I'm this one. Are you good? I don't care. What? I don't need one. You know, like, you love well, but your headphones so. are on. I love hearing me. Yeah. Oh, I hate hearing me. Oh, listen. It's nice, right? No. The oh. rich, the rich timber of your voice. It's like a, I actually can't it's like hear a dark me coffee. Do you want to? You can turn yours up there. How's that? Hello. Oh shit. No. Okay. No, I no hate bad. That. Okay. So you're done. You're done. If we just did this for 45 minutes. <laughs> just if we, we just, would win podcast just, of the year. Just tech. Yeah. We just well, who like gives out podcast of the year? Me. Him, yeah. <laughs> I have certificates. What? I'm sorry you never got one. In the one. second hour, they started <laughs> adjusting the microphones. <laughs> That's gonna, they're going to lose points for that. That could have been part two. So you're done pooping? You're okay? Yeah, for now. Okay, good. What happened? What did you eat? I, I'm going to talk about it. Go ahead. Are, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think I'd really like to be in love, and I don't, I don't know that I am right now. And it's weird because I... I, I I was I, before I came here. I had like this a is bunch about of the shit, right? Yeah. Okay. No, so uh, it comes around to it. Okay. So I I had this weird day where I was writing all day, and like I was really happy, and I went to this cafe by my house, and I saw this guy who I don't know well, uh, who's another writer, but who we've always sort of had like, a, oh, I know you from afar sort gotcha. of relationship, like like friendly. Sure. And we were sitting right next to each other, and I was supposed to be writing, but I had a big stack of comics, and he was supposed to be writing, so I was just reading my comics, and we started talking, and we began to have our first ever real conversation. Turns out we really like each other, and we're going back and forth, and we're laughing and talking about projects and different people we know in the, the industry, and it's like, this is nice. And I know that he hangs out at somewhere I hang out a lot, and I, 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 I'm single right now, um, and I, I thought... You know, my ex-girlfriend, one of my ex-girlfriends, like, hangs out there a lot. I was like, oh, you ever see her? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, I'm actually, I've kind of been seeing her for a while. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. And, like, it didn't hit me at all. It didn't land at all. So I'm sitting, I'm drinking, like, cup of coffee after cup of coffee. And we're talking, and he, and he leaves. I should mention I don't normally drink coffee. Every drug I've ever done... I've done to impress a girl and then been like, this was great. And then gotten into afterwards. Coffee is the most recent one of those. Okay. I've started to drink coffee, which is nightmarish. Girls are very impressed by it. They are. They're like, let's get coffee. And then I always, I didn't get it before, but now I get it. So you, so you, so you basically have a bit of the coffee and emotional shits. Wait for it. Okay. It lands. This story, this story is an ending. As does the shit. So, well, the shit is the ending. You just, it don't, no spoilers. And the landing. So... (laughs) So I, I, I'm sitting and he leaves and I'm sitting there and I'm reading my comics, but now I'm thinking about this girl and they're playing like this, like violin music in the place. And I'm sort of, I'm sitting there what and a fancy coffee shop. I'm sad. It's blue jam cafe on Melrose. Very oh yeah. Fancy. It's, it's like tasty. And, and like he leaves. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm reading my comic and I start to get, you know, it's like, never mind, I'll find someone li-. like that Adele. starts to hit me. Yeah. They're not playing it, but it's hit playing in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting and cause of the coffee I'm farting. And I'm sad and I'm farting and I can't concentrate on my comic. And then I had this like big emotional arc where I was like, why am I sad over this girl? This is a girl I broke up with because she was insane. And I was like, so I like got all like girl power and triumphant. And I was like, well, good. I'm okay. And I made a new friend and I walked out. I don't think you know what girl power means. Girl power (laughs) is something I can have. I I try to measure my own levels of excitement, enthusiasm, uh, sort of towards everything on the level of a 14 year old white girl. Okay. Right. I measure in turtle power. In turtle yeah. power. Because I'm a hero in a half shell. Yeah. 
Uh, so you were feeling good. Is you that walk- an uncircumcised joke? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it, it is, I guess it could be an uncircumcised joke as well as a Kevin Eastman joke. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, so you, you, you walk out of Blue Jam, which is a great cafe. Uh, and it and, all hit me. And you, oh, yeah. It all, like, it all, all of the big emotions, all the coffee hit me at the same time. I've been shitting for two hours. Wow. Yeah. It's not I, stopping. Well, stopping. I mean, like, I'm not shitting now that you guys can see. It's no, gotta, no. That's got to feel good, though. We're in a You're tiny little, we're in a tiny little room. Maybe you need to shit. <laughs> Wouldn't it? I, I always think it'd be really great if you could just shit your emotions out. If you're like, oh, yeah. I, I would love to not feel this for this relationship anymore that I can't get over or whatever. I wish I, it's too bad I just can't condense it and just take like a black, like the kind of shit that you take after you eat Pepto-Bismol and it's just like you think oh, you're yeah. dying because it's it's like a charcoal black. Yeah. Uh, talking about the type of shit where it feels like stuff you need is coming out of your body. Exactly. Stuff like, yo, get out. back in there, liver, yeah. or whatever. You know, it's coming out. Uh, it's um, it, I, I do like the idea of emotional shitting. That's where it's what like, crying is, Chris. It is crying is shitting, shitting out with your, your eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 shitting out it's shitting out of your eyes. Uh, I think it's more like peeing out of your eyes. Do you think so? No, yeah. because it's weighty. It's weightier. There's peeing is such like a frivolous activity. It feels like there's no emotional. Gra- the way you do no, it. Yeah, it's like going no to gra- golf. Oh, and you pee like more seriously. Oh god, yeah, It's like going I to pee. golf and stuff. You yeah. throw you throw on like. I make sure I have an erection before yeah. I start peeing, just Ooh. so it's extra difficult. Yeah. Who here? Who here has been drunk and gotten a boner and super had to pee, so they did it and they had the most painful pee of their life. It's hard. Well, it's always it's, painful. It's yeah. like you gotta do like a handstand. Oh god, it's the worst thing. It's always supposed to hurt, right? That's like that's like a always burns. Oh okay. That's a real thing. Consta burn Myra. Consta burn. <laughs> so, uh, so are you, are you okay now? You feel okay now? I'm all over the place, man. I like I, I, for the last like three weeks, I've just been like fluctuating between places of like everything's great, and then never getting bad, but then going to places of like everything is okay and could be better. Everything could be better. Everything could always be better. Can't you can't you sh- no one should really be that content though cuz then when you lose drive. Yes, but I'm like I'm a monster of commas and semicolons. I'm a more monster. No matter what I get, I want more from everything else. If one of my friends makes like a minor accomplishment at work, I'm like I should have gotten that promotion at Dairy Queen. Yeah. I like that should have been me. If if two of my friends like move in together or uh like someone I know starts dating someone or someone's having a baby or like anything like that, I'm jealous of that. I don't actually want it, but I still, f- I'm sure people can relate to this. That moment of like, that should be me. No matter how stupid it is. Well, or maybe I agree with me. you on most things except the baby thing. No, no, no. Yeah. That's the thing is it doesn't matter if it's something <laughs> I actually want. It's still, it's like someone is getting some sort of a satisfaction out of life and you want to experience that satisfaction I as like well. I want to be like rogue. I want to take off my gloves and just Absorb. suck the happiness out of them. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> let's talk about for a minute, let's talk about for a minute, uh, the uh, the circumstances when I asked you to come on the podcast. Oh yes, do you guys want to hear a story? Please. So I'm at Comic Con and it's I think Thursday. Comic Con International. Uh, yeah, my my favorite place. Comic Con for me is essentially Mardi Gras. I treat it like sort of just a drinking festival, and it's been this way for me for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I didn't used to be able to go to open bars, so. It was rough when I was 15, you know, getting drunk in hotel rooms with cosplayers. And then, like, I slowly got onto more and more hotel rooftops, which led to my behavior getting ex- increasingly bad. And and it's funny because, like, at Comic-Con, I just don't give a fuck. I walk around like... I walk around like fucking... Willem Dafoe. I don't care what face I'm making. I'm like a monster. I just am drinking, going insane. No shoes on at like 3 a.m. in the gas lamp, yelling at a stranger. So this year is... You know, a lot of people from Los Angeles are in 
uh, Comic Con at uh, San Diego Comic Con. Do you, could you do that up here as well? In L.A. Yeah. That if, you should feel like you could. Yeah, no, you feel like you could. I, it, I, it is I, mostly Los Angeles and San Diego at that time. It's it's interesting because I sort of I I hope that Comic Con is a wash. I tend to make a lot of friends there, which is weird because I'm sort of just in this manic, hyperbolic, sort of I don't give a fuck mode. Part of my sense of humor. Uh, which is a giant part of my sense of humor, is occasionally I'll get things in my head and I'll think, that's a really funny, douchey thing to say. And I'll say it and then I'll be very amused, not really taking into account that people who don't know me now assume I am a sociopath. <laughs> I am a spoiled sociopath. Well, yeah, like all, irony only exists between friends. buddies yeah. Yeah, and friends. Like yeah, it's, and Alanis uh, Morissette. Yeah, yeah. Call, right? say, say I have that. She got it wrong. Oh. <laughs> she got it wrong. She got it wrong. Damn. Yeah, she didn't really understand. I don't think so, she So I. I, uh, it's it's the second night, and I just met Zach Levy for the first time. And he's like, come to Nerd HQ. And I was like, cool, because he's he might be in my next if I do another Death and Return of Superman thing, because he was a fan of it. Chris is in that. It was great, by the way. Death and Return of Superman was really fantastic. Well, how can you do another Death and Return of Superman? You uh, already covered it. I, I Well, no, I would do Death of Gwen Stacy uh. or the Infinity Gauntlet. The problem is, is that I'd have to top myself. <laughs> And I'm just too like I'm too busy right now to try to do it, which is really infuriating because I want to do one anyway. So, uh, so Zach invites me to this thing, Nerd HQ, after all the other parties are closed, and I start getting texts from all of my friends, uh, saying like, "Hey, we're at Nerd HQ." I'm like, "Wait, I thought this was like a special thing that I was invited to." I'm very excited about it. It turns out, no, all of my friends who are not even in the film or comic book industry are also there. So now when you have a similar experience with your friends, you get angry, oh. as opposed to when they experience something and you get happy. You get, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no. You, you, and it wasn't, yeah, yeah, and no, it no, wasn't no. By, by the way, the, uh, I, I will say that the, uh, the, the actually getting into the Nerd, Nerd HQ was awesome inside. Like Great. Every, every wonderful person that yep. I adore was there. From, from, uh, I wasn't uh, there. Every single one. I was. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. So you can go next year, but there was there was a the, the list the getting in situation. What was a nightmare? The second night was ridiculous because that was the night it was really bad. Right. And I got in no problem that night. And then the first night, I show up. I am covered in wristbands. I was invited to every party this year except for the Entertainment Weekly party. And I and I was so happy and drunk. Every wristband represented like four rum and cokes. And I get there, everyone's texting me like, "Where are you?" And the woman from Community is working the door. Yvette Nicole Brown. So I have a moment of like freaking out, like, "Holy shit, you're so funny." And then I'm like, "Okay, I got to come in." And so she says, you know, are you on the list? And they don't even have a list. No, there was not a list. Yeah, so I'm like, yes, I'm supposed to be. And they were like, no. So I'm with my friend Michael Tab, and I was like, I'm look at all my arms. I like, and I threw like a full on ridiculous tantrum. I didn't get mad because I knew I was going to get in, but I put on a you show. You got everything. Man. I was like, like the first wives club. I, I was like. <laughs> Well, we thought we drop in fresh first wife clothes references. Yeah. Very timely, yeah. man. Myra. We'll do it every once in a while. Very, ma- very momentum stopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing stops this train. This is moving. This is good. <laughs> so that was that was the situation. Yeah. That you know. So when we were on the podcast, and John was like, there was a guy who was trying to get into the thing. Well, and- here, I was I was on the street nearby with some friends saying goodbye when I hear <laughs> screaming. From somebody, I wasn't screaming in anger. I was screaming well, in like I, sad frustration. I heard, I heard a ruckus. I heard, oh, my friends are inside me. I heard, uh, "Don't you know who I am?" Yeah. And you know how many scripts <laughs> I've sold this year? And this is ridiculous. Ask anybody here who I am. That I was doing for my friend Michael Pav. Yeah. I, I, I also claim to be Steven Spielberg's son. 
<laughs> oh, that's yeah. really fucking funny. Yeah, I said, I said, you know, I, and when that didn't work, I claimed to be Michael Phelps. Yeah, Michael Phelps is good. I, I, I was going. No, you did. That would work better. I was going through a thing, dude. And I, so I, I hear that, and like I hear, I, I hear you say, "Don't you know who I am?" Don't and then you know I turned, who I am? I turned to my friends. I'm like, "Who is that guy?" And then they said Max Landis, and I didn't know. And I was just like, "Who the fuck am I? I'm not a celebrity. No yeah, one knows who the fuck I am." Yes, you you didn't feel that way that night. But you <laughs> are though. You are though. I was just having fun. But, but no one. I'm but, a fucking screenwriter. No one knows my face. And this is why it goes back to what you were saying: is that like you were doing this as a personal bit? Yeah. Ten feet away. No, you, no I thought knows. you were the worst human in the world. I am the worst human <laughs> but in you're the not world. The, you're very standing. affable. No, you're, you're not the worst human in the world. But the point is, but if, so Jonah do, brings do, this story do back. Do we want to hear? Do you want to hear? Because it's worse than you know. What? It's worse than you know. Okay. Okay, so I hear that that someone was mentioning me on the Nerdist podcast. Now I have a very polarizing personality. People genuinely hate me. Like really hate me. I'm a I'm a hated guy. Or they like me and I'm okay. But you know, it's it seems but to nothing shift. in between. No, 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 no. <laughs> Only batter in between, nothing great. <laughs> no one's ever said, oh, he's all right. No, 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 no one ever said is. he's fantastic. No one says I'm great. Oh, no. And 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 so I hear that like you guys are saying something about me, and I'm like, okay. So I tweet like, mm, they're, they're making fun of me on the Nerdist podcast, par for the course, because everyone always sort of, oh, Max Landis, he's obnoxious. But like, first of all, to do this, listen to the levels of ignorance I allow myself to live in. Are we braced? Yes, we're braced. Number one, I don't know that at Nerdist is you. Oh, really? No, I didn't know. I know that now. But when I tagged at Nerdist, I thought it was like a company, a thing that you ran. Oh, gotcha. So I didn't know that it was your thing. So level of ignorance number one. That's level right. of ignorance number two, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. Level of ignorance number three, and this is the part where we get like tragic, is Jonah Hill is a guy who I know. I wouldn't call him like a close friend. He's in one of my movies. I hear that Jonah is making is talking about me on the Nerdist podcast. I'm like, Jonah Hill is shit talking me on the Nerdist podcast. So I text him like, what are you doing? And like just so many levels. And immediately I am set upon uh, by three different things. Number one, Chris Hardwick going, we weren't really making fun of you. And me going, oh, wait, no, you probably weren't. Like I was just being sad. <laughs> Number two, Hundreds of like creepy internet people going, yeah, the nerdist, yeah, like, like, but like not in a supportive way, like in a way that made me go like, oh, I don't like this. And then of course, one of my best friends, fellow tall, skinny, hyper person, Chloe Dykstra, texted me like, "Why are you shitting on my boyfriend?" What are you? I was like, "No, no, 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 no." Chris that was and a I good are, impression Chris of her. and I yeah, are talking. Yeah. Chris and I are talking. It's fine. Well, Chloe, Chloe adores you, as you know. Yeah, Chloe, Chloe, she's abso- a fucking shit. She absolutely adores you, and so she, you know, I, I, after this whole thing went down, because Jonah, no one said your name no, on the I podcast. Know. He just started explaining, and I was like, "Oh, I think I know who that is," and you know, it was, <laughs> it probably wasn't what you thought it was, and it. You know, and it was so there was never any shit talking. It was just a, and it was just a, an identification of what no, happened. No, of course. And so, and then, <laughs> and then, and then people just assumed, and and then so I texted Chloe and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, Max thinks we were talking shit about him, and, <laughs> and I feel really bad. And so I texted her and I was like, dude, we weren't, we were not talking shit to you. You should come on the podcast. Yeah, because beyond that. You are doing a lot of other things that are relevant to the people who listen to this show. It's Between not just relegated to the outside of parties, not That's just right. me, it's not just my my consistent douchebag performance. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's it's. <laughs> And <laughs> performance starts funny. That's been going on since 2002. You know, it's, I wonder if the first guys that said, do you know who I am, were doing performance art as well. Well, the thing is, is that no one knows who the fuck I am. So, like, it's, I mean, like, there's well, no... Well, they do now, though. I mean, I mean... People know, like, the one place I'd get recognized is at Comic-Con, and I wouldn't get recognized trying to get into a party, and, like... 
I know I'm not a celebrity. I like I have a whole thing that we can get into if you guys are interested about screenwriters and the level of celebrity they have, but that's sort of a different thing. Well, but also, but you know, you are more of a personality than most screenwriters. I would I would say, and you and you you're able to. <laughs> He's just louder because death in every way. De- death Quentin, of Return Tarantino's Death good. of Return of Superman was was great. By the way, it was really great, and I think one of the reasons that it was made what it was great is it was directed really well, and the storytelling was great, but. But also, you were so passionate about it, and it really was your personality that drove, drove that that story. I mean, I know, I know that you, you're probably thinking like, oh, you know, it's because Elijah Wood wasn't in it, but it really was your personality and passion that drove that people to watch a 15 minute, yeah, 15 minute YouTube, a video. 15 minute YouTube video, it's madness. Um, that really was funny, you know. And so between that and you know, uh, and and Chronicle, which was great, and you know, I think. It, it, you do do a lot of stuff that is relevant to the nerd community, which you have been in for a very long time. That's true. I worked at Golden Apple. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've sort of just, I've been this forever. I hate, I hate the word nerd, though. Oh well, we'll change this name of this podcast. No, just I, I do. I, because I, I know nerds. I know guys who I'm like, you're a nerd. I don't want to spend time with them. And like when I'm like, you know, when I'm chilling out and watching like. BSG or like something like that. I I hate the idea that I'm part of a. Nerd. Well, you just call it BSG, so no, that you are no, part nerd. of the nerd culture. Well, no, no, <laughs> you're not understanding what I'm saying. Come on in. I'm someone who likes Battlestar Galactica. Right. That doesn't associate me with a guy who like when I use the word nerd, I use it as an insult. Really? Mm. But I think that's your I, personal take on inclusive. the word. It is my personal take yeah, on the word, yeah. but it's you I know the person nerds. you're talking about. They don't want to hang out with. I think that's just an asshole. Well, it's well. Listen, no one calls or a dork. It, no <laughs> one, unless they're being negative. No one calls sports culture jock culture. Mm. Like when I call someone a jock, I'm generally not being nice to them. I'm implying that they're sort of a meathead, and you know. I don't know. I, I use the term as just like, uh, like I'll say, oh, he's a jockey guy. He like he's into sports. He plays sports. I don't. Oh, use I use it. it as a... I use it like nerd. For me, the I... word. For me, the word because when I was growing up, it was not a nice word to use because it was very derogatory, and you kind of felt bad about it. Uh, and then, I mean, it really was a movie like Revenge of the Nerds that came along, <laughs> or a movie like Real Genius that sort of made you feel like, oh, like nerds are okay. So you devoted your uh, adult life to taking back the N word? Uh, yeah, I mean, I say <laughs> it in my act. I say it's the other N word. It's the other you know, N word. Like, we're taking it back because it was used in a way. I'm not saying it is has it, cont- it contains the I same level like of gravity. Did. Someone as pull the first that last word. It does. Stop it. You fuck yourself, Matt Myra. <laughs> it Biden. doesn't. But it's Biden. interesting because I don't re- I don't agree with that really either. The taking back of the N word. I I sort of I just. I, you're if, also younger. If I, it's true. You grew up in a different generation of nerds than I did. It's true. Yours, you see, you have a, there's an empowerment to the word nerd. When I hear nerd, I think of me at a party with my friends. Yeah. And I've invited one of my friends who has bad social skills, and he's making everyone awkward. <laughs> that is a nerd to <laughs> Those me. Those were all my friends if, in school. If we, no, 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 there are a lot of my friends too, but we all got along, and it was fine. A nerd to me isn't a permanent state of being. There's nothing nerdy to me about Star Wars. It's like a really good story. It's one of the biggest uh, movies. Well, of no, all but, time. but but I'll go further. There's nothing nerdy to me about like some shit, you know, fandom movie like Equilibrium or the Matrix. None of these, none of these things. Stri- or Asimov or or Heinlein or Philip K. Dick. None of these things strike me as nerd. But culture. you said asthma, and I was like, well, actually, asthma is yeah. kind of nerdy. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I guess this isn't the place. Being on the Nerdist podcast. No, no, no. no, you, no, no. you listen, listen. To be on this soapbox. I think it, no. I think it's an interesting point of view to take because you have a different perspective. 
than we have. And and while I will say, you know, Asimov or Philip K. Philip K. Dick, maybe they're not particularly at the time when they were were written. If there weren't, there was no such thing as like those are the nerds and those are the this. Right. You know, uh, I think some people were a little more bookish than others. But I do tend to think that that people with what we classically what we what we think of as like nerd brain people do tend what to What is gra- a nerd-brained person? I I tend to think it's someone who uh uh has an an almost <laughs> mutant level of focus on a thing and I always say like I I always say that being a nerd isn't about what you like it's how you like those things. So would you say you'd say you would then use like for guys who play fantasy football you'd use the term sports nerds. I would actually yeah. using that definition because I feel like it it, it undermines my definition of the word to not in, include all them. the guys who like obsess over stats and like all this stuff. Uh, all all the stat stuff but I think it has to do with um focusing on something to such a granular level and trying to understand it more than any other living creature. I think that's what makes someone a nerd, not whether or not they read Asimov or watch BSG or, you know, how many episodes of Stargate they can but quote. But it's, it's also, it's up to the perspective of the person. Like, last night, uh, I was doing a show at the uh, Pleasure Chest, and a girl, like, held up, a, a, like, some tights. She's like, oh, do you mind trying this on? I was like, yeah, sure, just call me Dr. Frickenfurter. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, she's like, huh? I was like, it's just a Rocky Horror Picture Show. And she's like, she's like, oh, sorry. Nerdy reference. It's just, I was like, Why she sounds that? like an idiot. She is. That's the <laughs> and issue. She's like, she's like a nerdy. Re- I was like, it's not really a nerdy reference. It's well, like, and then, is, she, ah, and then ah. she said, referencing movies is nerdy. Now we're at the root, the root of where Chris and I are different because he's defining the word differently than I. Am. Yes. You are describing nuanced, focused, and specialized intellectualism. Yes. I am describing something that has nothing to do with intellect, nothing to do with brain power, nothing to do with. What you like? You're just talking. S- I'm talking about a skills. social thing. A nerd is someone who is unable to exist outside of their focus. Autistic is is an Asperger syndrome or autistic person or someone in the in that line of things. You love Star Wars and all you talk about is Star Wars. You are a nerd to me. Like this, this is what I'm saying, and that isn't a good thing. I like people to be able to relate to each other, and so I use the word nerd because. I was, I've never been, I mean, I'm sure people out there consider me a nerd now, but no one ever thought of me as a nerd. They just thought of me as a fucking weirdo. I'm like an eccentric sort of hyperbolic, arrogant, like, but do you feel space like, cadet. But do you feel like you really are? Or is there, and be honest, do you feel like there's any part of you that wants to propagate that idea of you? Because I've hung out with you before and, and you're a very sweet guy. That's because you hang out with me one-on-one. The more people around me, the more sort of anxious I get. And the more anxious I get, the more there is the propagated face of Max Landis, which is not an intentional thing. So you have it, a social... Uh, it, it's a social changeover. And so you're a nerd. Uh, <laughs> no, I would say that I have bad social skills. Like a nerd. No, a nerd is someone who can't exist. Have you been listening? Yeah, can't you exist said, you said, outside you, of their you, interests. You literally said a little while ago, a nerd is someone that has bad social skills. And because they can't exist outside of their interests. Well, I have bad uh, social skills because I, I get anxious. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I, I act weird. And I feel the, intense. I feel, I feel the same way when I'm like in a larger group. I tend to get bigger. Or do you or, have like a party self? I a, a bit, a bit, but it really depends on the level of uh, of drinking. And I weirdly get. I weirdly have a a little bit of social anxiety in those types of social situations. Every time I see you at a party, you're like you're you look always great. You're like dressed great, and you're like looking around like. Oh shit! I don't feel comfortable. Ever. It, it, it's so funny to me. I can one on one. I can pretty much talk to anybody. Yeah. I can do. St- I could do stand up for twenty thousand people, and it wouldn't phase me. Because theoretically, you're alone. I, maybe I guess so. That's true. And then because you know, it's, particularly you know, stand up is a relatively isolating kind of a lifestyle. But I will say that if I get into a situation where I'm in a party, 
I feel very uncomfortable. It, you, Chloe can tell you, when we're at restaurants, I cannot fucking deal if the tables are right next to each other and there's oh, another couple right so there. Much. I can't, you know, she'll ask me questions. I'll just be like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, it's not, and I'm not being I a dick. I cannot, hush tones. I cannot, I cannot, I just fucking implode. You and, you and Chloe being anxious in restaurants. That's perfect. The well, perfect she doesn't. Couple. She doesn't care. Like she's normal. <laughs> she's normal that way. And but I, I have such a. I'm so not a party guy in that way. And I'm so much like a. I, well, wanna, I was very impressed. I got to say, I was very impressed. Chloe, I, I just had the best party I've ever been to was one I threw. It was my 27th birthday party, which was two weeks ago, which was insane. Like it was insane. Like it was one of what the day most, is your birthday? Uh, it was August third. <laughs> Me too. You guys have you the same and birthday. my dad. Really? Yeah, I'm the same birthday. He as always, your dad? He always James says from Metallica. And then Matt's uh, the fifth. You're yeah. the fifth. Yeah. It's fucking sick, man. We, we did it, Leo's. <laughs> Leo's. <laughs> oh, are we doing that now? Are we doing <laughs> that now? What's up, lines? Oh. What's up, lines? No, no. no. I, uh, I, I had this birthday that was like, I can't even describe it to you. You know, like it was like it was like a bacchanalia. There was just it was just madness, and we had people from Cirque du Soleil. My friend group is a bizarre group of people. It's the most varied group of people I've. That they they shouldn't all know each other. It's like the X Men, and I I sort well, of I feel like the X Men should know each other. Well, they, well they should, but they helpful. I, you think Logan would be hanging out with Scott Summers if they weren't on a team together? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, dude, let's get a Summers. beer. <laughs> uh, no, but but like, and I remember Chris came in. And he, I was impressed because, like, I he he was looking around like he was on the surface of the moon. You were looking at people like, "What the fuck is this?" And I was well I was for, me, for, me, so for me for me for me. Spent twelve minutes there and got back. It in really capsule. was twelve minutes. <laughs> no, it was he. He glided in. He got, he collected Chloe, who'd been going crazy all night. Uh, in Max, the most uh, Max, Max, uh, I kissed I, you. Uh, Max, Max kissed me on the. We kissed each other on the mouth uh-huh. for his purpose photo. I got, I got you and Chloe and a hundred and seven other people to kiss, oh, wow. to kiss on the mouth for the for the birthday party. And I don't have sanitary. herpes. It doesn't sound sanitary. <laughs> I got, I got tested on Tuesday. You got well. It's sometimes it lays yeah. dormant. It could be, it could be laying dormant. It, it can test after a week. After a week? Yeah, you cannot. Ha- you can never have like breakouts. Well, that's good. So that means it, none of can... us have herpes, which is nice. Yeah, yeah that, that's um, a good. Why? Because have you guys all kissed each other since my party? No, more than. That. I mean, seriously. No, you can't translate mouth to genitals. It's oh, just mouth to mouth. Fine. We're no, fine. You, can, you cool. can translate mouth to genitals. No, it doesn't. It, 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 those those viruses, those strains of viruses real? don't 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 transfer. It's yeah. it's mouth to mouth and genitals to genitals. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, you can't. Then why do, ask to ask? Then why do people? Oh, why why do occasionally people want to wear condoms during blowjobs? Because those are weird prostitutes. Get new ones. Well, you can still you can still get other things. It's just herpes. What can you get? Well, you could you could contact you could contract uh, HIV with uh, with a blowjob if they have open sores in the mouth. If they have open sores in the mouth and then someone ejaculates in your mouth. Oh, that's right. Because there's there's HIV in the cum. And then and yeah. if if you have open sores in your mouth, there there um uh you know I don't know what else you can get other stuff. Certainly uh, not an erection. Yeah, it's not worth it, basically. Chris, why are you not next? For <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Old new podcast more. tonight. Hey guys. I uh. But so, when you came to my party, you you had a no yeah like you you're you're, you're awkward at in large groups. Your but party then once you started bowling, you were fine. Well, yeah, once I started bowling, because in the old days for me, it was drinking that loosened me up to be able to be like a fun party guy. It was like self medication. It was absolutely self medication. It was suppressing anxiety. It was suppressing depression, which ultimately ended up creating more depression, anxiety, which is just the loop. The helped you nap loop. though. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I never napped until two better than when I was. <laughs> it really helped my pizza eating at four o'clock in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Uh, and and so you know, I guess for the most part, I was able to recover 
a lot of social skills and a lot of dealing with emotions in sobriety in the last nine years. But for some reason, just being at a party surrounded by people and when they're loud and they're all drinking, I just kind of shut down. My party was also ape shit. It was like that, the... that was really ape shit. I mean, it really was beautiful. You rented out a house where you could see the whole fucking city from up there. Yeah. And um, it was it was it was, it was just madness. Were you there for the cockatiel? I did see the cockatiel. Yeah. Yes, there was a guy carrying a cockatiel. A around. bunch of my friends are Cirque du Soleil and Barnum and Bailey clowns, and shit got weird. Yeah, shit got weird, man. Uh, like a, like a the, my my favorite my favorite outfit of the night was I had a rainbow tutu, and I was in uh, briefs. I had my rainbow tutu and my shirt that said "Probably Not Invited" and Mickey Mouse gloves. And someone had given I had a face painter. They'd given me a rabbit face paint and then I jumped in the pool so my face was all smeared with black and pink I looked like I just got out of Nom like the weirdest <laughs> rainbow tutu version of Nom ever and I was just going around screaming like that was my birthday me imagine that screaming happy birthday Max you wow. lost your voice for a couple of days I lost my voice for almost a week yeah yeah, because you, yeah, you were supposed to be on the podcast last week, and then Jonah ended up having to and work. I, and I couldn't have done and it so anyway. You couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't talk anyway. And I mean, I been, I've been so excited to go on the podcast, because I had no idea what this was. Yeah. So I was like, I was going in totally blind, like, this is going to be a ball. But then I didn't have my voice, and then it was canceled. And I was like, heartbroken. And then you found out about it, and now it's not as fun. No, this is great. You guys are How do you see the world? Do you sort of see the world as like, the world is a playground that needs to be fucked with? Or do you just, do you just like- I see it as the Max Landis show. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What's the other option? A playground that needs to be fucked with or- or, uh, or I don't know. I mean, it's it, or or is just like oh, you know, just sort of like a moment to moment sort of a thing. Like, do you have an overall plan? Like, of course, I have a plan. What's what's what do you what do you want to do? Like, what is it? What do you want to unleash onto the world? Besides the uh, the twelve monkeys virus. Oh fuck! You know, fuck unleash. Fuck creative goals. I you know, <laughs> it's it's fun. I love being a writer. I do have my eye on some sort of. I want to go bigger than J.J. Abrams. I wanna I want to have multiple films and projects based on my ideas in production at the same time and that's why i'm producing now i'm directing something and it's like very stressful um but really my goal yeah is to become the best possible me i can be my entire life has been like we talked about the two maxes let's get let's get deep let's do it uh i i have a a sort of a mood disorder that that fucked over my childhood in like a really real way like i didn't have any friends till i was 15 or 16 and I w I'm extremely volatile. It's called cyclothymia. It means you rapidly cycle through hypomanic emotions. And what that means is you're not oh, manic. Yeah. It just means that when you have normal emotions, like, for instance, I'm excited to be on the Nerdist podcast. They're extra. They're, they're not just extra. They're to 11. You get these, these physical, you can see, like, temperature changes in the brain almost. Just, they're so intense and overwhelming that, you know, when I was young and I was unmedicated, I was like fucking daffy duck i was a nightmare you know people have this theory of me as this sort of prince of hollywood figure you know nepotism when in reality i was really like the hunchback in the landis family's basement i didn't you know i wasn't allowed to go out because chances were i'd get mad and break something mm -hmm. and like you know they'd buy me a nintendo oh i got a game over i smashed my nintendo no more Nintendo for my entire childhood did you realize what you were doing at the time or did you kind of just see red and all no this is this like... is what i was doing my, my mindset until I was about 15 was, why is everyone else so fucking calm? Don't they see that this is the best, worst, most exciting, most boring day of their lives? Why is everybody else not reacting like me? Mm -hmm. And it was crazy because I'll tell a really personal story to all the listeners, which is that I got kicked out of high school and I ended up in this school for kids 
I won't go too far into it, but I went into this school for kids. This is like this is one of those beats in a friendship, actually. You know how you have stories you always have to tell in a friendship. Like this is who I am. Stories that establish you. Of course, I assume this is the time I murdered you being somebody. sober is yeah. this, I assume That's, one of yours. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so this is this is one of my more personal ones that is now no longer personal because everyone's hearing it, which is that I got kicked out of high school and I got sent to this place for kids who are and uh, in my entrance to that place, I was fifteen. And the my entrance exam was done by a clinician who's brilliant, this woman, who had a giant picture of Reagan in her office. <laughs> giant. Ugh. And is still, I mean, like, I guess it's proof that they're not all bad. Because, I mean, like, she's, she's a big influence in my life. I was in there, and, like, if you watch my tape now of that, of that entrance interview. Can we? It's like, fuck no. Ugh. It's That's for, like... Nerdy YouTube channel. Year. No, it's too intense. I like come off <laughs> like I come off like the Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. I been... like I'm like scary, and I think back on that and I'm like Jesus. Yeah. But that she's... would be weird though. We've been dating a year. It's about time you've seen this. <laughs> yeah, just put in well, VHS. I, I talk about it a lot. Anyway, so the the end of the story is she, during that she said I she was like Why do you think you're here? I was like Everybody's an asshole to me. I'm a scapegoat for everything. Everyone's crazy. No one reacts properly to anything. Don't they understand that? Like you know, like people, everyone's emotionally dead. And I go off on this tirade, and I'm like screaming at her. And she goes, you know, isn't it possible? She said like the dumbest thing. She went, isn't it possible? If you think that everyone in the world is crazy, isn't it possible if everyone in the world is crazy that the problem, or not problem, but the issue, might be with you? And it's funny because even in the video, you see me go like, what? You were about to call her crazy. Well, then I was like. Wait a fucking minute. And I remember that moment maybe more clearly than any memory in my life because it was the first time I went, oh, shit, what? No, what? That makes so much sense. And then I went on lithium and like I was on lithium for like five years and now I'm this. And so <laughs> lithium as a drug, what does it feel like? The best thing ever. Yeah. You know, people complain about lithium because lithium is often given to you uh, and people are misdiagnosed. Is that Cariana down there? Might be. No, it's not some other girl. But uh, it's lithium is often given to people wrongly, and then they get all sleepy. I, if you were on the dose of lithium I was on for years, you'd be asleep right now. You'd just yeah. be emotionally dead. I don't need much to sleep. But for me, it was like, I would like, hey, what's for dinner tonight? You know, sloppy Joes. And I'd think, I don't like Sloppy Joes. And then I'd think, yeah, no big deal. I'll just eat the Sloppy Joes. And then I was like, wait, something's not a big deal? But was it any that had to have been a relief? It was the biggest relief ever. And you know, it's funny because I, I you know, I have I have flaws as a person. I, I'm extremely selfish. I am ex I'm a big time egomaniac, sort of narcissist type guy. But separate from that, you talked about what my goals are. My goals are to become sort of a guy who everybody likes, you know, and, and who uh, who interactions with him make people happy and they think what a great guy. And that that's sort of my big goal for life. And it's it's funny because I've had to build to that goal from a place of just being fucking crazy. And it's it's weird to like look down back the road and like even like now that Facebook has timeline to look at like some of my statuses from like 2007. Oh, I never thought to do that. I never thought to do that. It's just like a weird just a weird, like an emotional diary. I've done that with MySpace, where I've gone back to messages yeah. that I've sent or been sent, and it's fucking trippy. Oh it my god, I don't weird. want to. It's girls that I don't even remember. Yep. Archaeology of your life. Yeah. You become you become a, a, 
a time traveler in your own world. It's and like you don't keep a diary, but the internet <laughs> yeah. makes the internet you is keep your a fucking diary. diary. So yeah. we, we we all Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, whatever his name is, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. He's our he's our he's Zuckerberg. Zach Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Zach Zuckerberg. He's yeah. the lead character yeah. on Saved by the Bell. Zuckerberg. 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 I love Zuckerberg on Scrubs. Now. He's our stenographer, and it's funny because like. I don't know. The, my story ideally is one of just massive personal growth that just continues onward forever. But I'm still like, there's still just days where like I get up and I'm extremely happy with my life right now. But I get up and I go in the shower and I like shower. And then during the shower, I notice that like I didn't feed my cat and my cat's like standing by the food dish crying. And I think, man, I can't get out of the shower. She seems so sad. And then I'm crying in the shower because my cat needs food and what a terrible person I am that I forgot. And I'm having these ridiculous thoughts where it's like, I'm having thoughts like, Max, you're the worst person in the world. How dare you neglect her? And then I have to stop and think, that makes no fucking sense, man. That thought makes no fucking sense. Well, a crazy person would never stop to do that. A crazy person would just roll with those emotions. So you do have the awareness you do have the awareness that there's stuff going on, and I think that makes you not crazy because you understand and want to manage ru- it. I had a roommate like that. She almost stepped on uh, our cat, and then she's like, she's like, I almost stepped on the cat. I would have heard it, and then she just started bawling for the rest of the day. For that the was, rest that of was the day. me. <laughs> yeah, you were my roommate? I was your roommate. Oh, it's so good to see you again, well, Annie. It's, it's, that's something, yeah. That was something that was beaten into me via this school and via medication. I, I sort of have this, you know, the, the watchers on the wall in my head watching everything I do. And I still kind of, one of the things that's concerning is that I'm still kind of an asshole. And it always, it's, it's hard for me to find that line of, you know, what, what can I excuse with, oh, I'm a really emotional guy. Like I've been a huge dick to Chloe at different points in our friendship just because I was like minorly annoyed at something she Get said. him, Chris, get him. <laughs> Kick and, his ass, man. And like, come on, bro. Don't be a pussy, Don't be a bro. pussy, Chris. Bro. You're such a this pussy. This is your right moment. Now. Come on, bro. Why did we put, we, we made this podcast two and a half years ago for this moment. Let's do it. Oh, oh shit, man. We've been planning. We've been planning, man. We laid the groundwork. I oh, found Lord. Chloe on Facebook. I figured out she was friends you with know, you. you know I met Chloe in a gas station. Oh, really? Yes. She meets friends and we not surprising. Yeah, okay. Not surprising. <laughs> Chloe, like, I have to, like, and I feel bad because I feel like I'm constantly like, Chloe, you got to be careful. You can't, because I don't think Chloe is aware of that she's a very pretty girl. Oh, no, she's not, Chris? And, and what? Well, Chloe's totally not aware of that. What and are you saying? Come on, man. I'm, have you, I'm have say- you seen the way she dresses? I know. The, I understand. <laughs> You're saying that. Chloe is without guile. I'm just saying that she or Ryu. she'll just start she'll just start uh, she'll start up a conversation with someone and then they'll they'll get a little like ah, you know like a little stocky or something like you have to be careful because you're so friendly people will get creepy they'll get creepy and you just and she's like but I don't understand why and I'm like because there's just a weird you just have to be very careful with who well chloe chloe's in it's it's cool the thing about chloe that i like love one of the things that i'm really like focused on in our friendship is that she so much enjoys a big spotlight and then whenever it hits her she goes wait wait (laughs) shit oh no like that and so like that's exactly what you're describing she's like oh i'll talk to this person have a fun time but you know what this person's creepy do you know what though but she doesn't she still forgives it, and I think the reason is because she felt. And here we are analyzing my, my girlfriend without her being I, here to defend like, your it. Your girlfriend's one of my best friends. She is, and am, she adores you, her. and she and she and and and. Uh, but I think when she's she was mad going, at me right now. 
I don't know if she is. Because I was making fun of her this morning. Oh, why make fun of her? Because I love making fun of Chloe. I know, but it, I think <laughs> if you do, it hurts her feelings. Get him, Chris! You gotta kick his ass, man! <laughs> what is the fucking Cobra Kai dojo? <laughs> uh, so, but but I will say oh, that um, I think I think when she was younger, she felt sort of outcast socially, yeah. and so she is very much a caretaker. Like she is the type of person where. If if a if if a if a dog without a if a dog yeah. walk crosses the sidewalk, it doesn't matter. She could be on she, her way yeah, to meet the swerving. president. She yeah. would chase that dog down and hug it and take it in until it until it found its owner, and, and then be terribly disappointed when the owner showed up. Yeah, I mean yeah. she she is one of the uh, no, most she is one of the most caring, generous, like just wants everyone to feel okay about themselves. Yeah. Like puts other people over her own happiness. Every you know, like, li- you like that. That's pretty sweet. Because I'm a pretty <laughs> selfish guy. Someone to date, oh, yeah, man. Uh, but 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 just That's like what I look for in my girlfriends, absolute magnanimity. <laughs> for just they, I just okay. I look for the sweetest, gentlest, most caring but, women, so but, they but can worry about me, and I don't need to worry about them. One of, one of one of the sweetest, most generous people that you could you could ever hope to meet. So anyway, so you guys met in a gas station. She, I think, was she. It was it was like a random Chloe meeting me. And she, she said, "Are you guys gamers?" And we didn't actually get to know each other till I, till me and my girlfriend dumped me. And then I was super sad. And like Chloe was just so nice to me after that for like a year, and we became really good friends. And then she shepherded me through a, a couple of weird relationships, and she was going through weird stuff of her own. And then she began talking all the time about this guy, Chris Hardwick. Oh my god, very handsome guy. Yeah. And, and I was like, so he then. sounds cool. And then. He was in my movie, Death and Return of Superman, and this is the longest conversation he and I have ever had. But it's a good conversation. It's a good conversation. By the way, it was really fun to do Death and Return of <laughs> Superman because it, it. what's interesting about watching you work is that it's almost, you know, it sort of reminds me, uh, oh, this is going to sound, this is going to sound overinflated, and I, and I apologize, but I don't know what else to link it to. But it's sort of like uh, when... Um, Salieri is describing like how Mozart writes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the only it's the only parallel. I'm not saying you're Mozart. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing if I then please also don't be Salieri if I'm Mozart? Wouldn't it be amazing if I then walked down these stairs right here and just tripped and broke my neck? That but yeah, and I died. Oh, that was and this was the word the last thing that was said about me. But 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 the way but the way just describing the way that he was. Like when he was giving musical notation when he was really ill and because Salieri had been poisoning him basically, mm-hmm. and so he's taking dictation and he's like he just he sees the whole orchestration and it's almost like he's taking dictation. Yeah. It's a very interesting. You're the way that you directed that. What I saw there was you didn't have any notes in your hand and you were like, okay, you stand over there and you got a shot and you instantly seemed to know how it was going to fit in. And I was literally what you see of me in Death and Return of Superman was exactly how long I spent shooting yeah. Death and Return of Superman. But in your head, and it seems haphazard, you're like, stand over there. Okay, hit yourself in the face. All right, great. Okay, you guys go over there. Like, it really was pretty insane, but it seemed like in your head, these wheels were turning and all these computations were happening and you knew exactly how everything was going was gonna to play out. Can I tell you, can I tell you something funny? Because it's really impressive to me that you were able to pick that up, not to compare myself to Mozart, but can I tell you something funny about the way my creative process works? Yeah. I know the whole fucking thing. It, writers, a lot of writers I know, go through this period where they'll start a script and they'll write 30 pages of it and then they won't know where it goes. I have never done that. I'm on my 72nd feature screenplay, 
I know exactly what everything's supposed to look like. I know exactly where everything's supposed to be. For me, you know, I'm not saying for the best possible version of it, just for I see it in my head. And to hear you describe it like that is very flattering. And it's interesting because, yeah, Death and Return of Superman, I knew exactly what everything needed to be. And, and, and there was nothing official about it. It's just like, oh, we're, we're in an alley right now. Yeah. You get sent over there. Okay, you guys, there's you no, know. There's no plan. You run, <laughs> you run this way, and, and somehow, because it's not like, it didn't seem like, oh, he's getting a lot of coverage, so we'll have choices. You knew exactly where everything was supposed <laughs> to go and how it was all going to fit together. And uh, it was really, I was like, fuck, I wish I knew, because I don't, I don't write that way. I just sort of go, I'm going to start. I kind of know where I want to end up, and then hopefully the answers will reveal themselves <laughs> along the way. Uh, but I, I, I wish I had that sort of holistic vision of how things were going to play out. It's not a, you know, it's not a strategy. It's that's the way stories come to me. I, I, I'm like a depressing. I'm a sad thing because I, I'm an engine. Uh, a lot of screenwriters are no are not like this, and this is not to say that their way of doing it is inferior to mine. But I come up with like six. I think pretty cool movie ideas a week. And I'm at the point where I'm so backed up with stuff I've already sold and stuff I like have to work on that I can't do anything with these ideas. And it's infuriating because it's like, I know all these movies and I want to share them with everybody. The reason I write scripts as fast as I do is because I need to show them to my friends. You need a script adoption program where every Sunday someone can come to the Writers Guild and then you have in crates all these scripts that people can come adopt so then something can happen with them. It's not even, they're not even scripts. It's just like I can say a movie. I had this idea. I had a really cool idea for a movie and I can't do anything. Do you guys want to know? My cool idea. Yes, for please a movie. tell us tell us one of these cool ideas. Okay, you guys ready? Yes. Wait. Yeah, go. Okay, my friend Matt Cohen. I was telling him about it. You ready? Okay, so oh, Matt Cohen of Smodcast fan. Yeah, I love that guy. Great guy. He's my he's like my new friend. You know, once you meet a new friend, and immediately it's like bump bump. I love you. <laughs> I he is that's my neighbor. Matt Cohen, really? Yeah. He is a terrific guy. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Good guy. So, okay, so this is an idea that I can't even do anything with. <laughs> Here's the idea. Okay, so it's 1791, right? We're with this guy. His name is John Mayweather. Mayweather is formerly of the British Navy, but he was involved in the Boston Tea Party. He was involved in all of these sort of big defeats for the British Navy. Uh, Some battles with the French, battles with the Americans, the Revolutionary War is over, and he's completely fucked. He's basically been kicked out of the Navy. Also, while he was at sea, his fucking son died. Okay, so he has nothing. His wife left him. His best friend, his name is Hambu Lakshmi. He's a guy who he picked up in India during the revolts in India, and this guy basically completely supports him. He should be a prince in India, but he loves Mayweather so much and has so much faith in him that Lakshmi just goes everywhere with him and kind of funds him. And Lakshmi comes to him. Mayweather's like living on the streets, and Lakshmi's like, hey, I got you a job. He's like, what is it? And they're like, it's a retrofitted pirate ship. It's actually one of the ships that you took down during your glory days in the British Navy. And all you have to do is take this this three-mast ship across the ocean to America. It's just a big cargo haul, and it's going to be a good payday for you. It's going to be fine. So Mayweather's like, I don't know if I'm confident enough to do it. Lakshmi, like, you got to do it, man. And then the British government comes to him, and they say, so we, we think you're taking this job, and that's very good. Basically, the precursor to MI6. Basically, <laughs> basically colonial British intelligence comes to him, and they say, this ship's cargo is extremely precious to us. On board this ship, there will be a secret British agent. And their goal, we're not going to tell you who that is, their goal is to get that cargo to America at all costs. 
Also on board the ship, we believe there will be a secret American agent trying to wreck the ship at all costs. I'm just going to pitch you the first act because once you figure out where it's going. Okay, so he's like, shit, okay. And that activates that thing in him, right? The John McClane. He's like, yeah, I'll captain this ship. I'll take the job. Lakshmi's like, fuck yeah, I got you out of your fucking stirrups, man. He gets on the boat. They head out to sea. Everything's going pretty good. It's a real weird assortment of people on the boat. You got, you know, you got a freed slave who's uh, go, who moved to England, who's now going back to America to attempt to buy his family. Idris Elba. Uh, I'm sure, casting it. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, you you have you have uh, an American family who clearly uh, don't want to go back to America, but have to go back in order to shut down their plantation in order to fully move because plantations are sort of just getting really in the swing of it. Uh, you have uh, a couple of British people, hot British, couple of hot British girls. You know, like people like this. All, everyone's on the boat for a different reason. It's almost like the Orient Express. It's like, where, what's going to go on? High winds start up in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. High, high winds. Winds are fucking up the sails. They lose one of the sails. Lakshmi's like, visibility's down to zero. You need to turn the ship around and go around. Mayweather's like, you're right. And then one of the crewmen comes up to him and goes, I need to reveal to you something. I am the British spy. This fucking cargo has to get to America. You go through the storm... I don't care. And he goes, okay, you know, yes, queen. You know, he immediately, yeah. he has that British ire in him. He gets up. He's like, we're going to go through the You're storm. The king at that time. He figures out, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so listen, listen, so he's like, he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. He goes out. He starts piloting through the storm. But then Lakshmi figures out the real British spy comes to him and goes, why are we going through the storm? We have to go around. And he realizes the spy who said he was the British spy is the American spy. He's trying to wreck the ship. They've flown into a fucking <laughs> class five hurricane. Visibility's down to zero, but now they can't get out. So Mayweather's like, it's okay. I'll get us out. He's such a badass that he ties himself to the wheel of the ship. He ties himself to the ship. He's steering it through the storm. Visibility goes down to zero. Fog and waves. You can't even see the ocean off the side of the ship. And then he notices that he is now hanging off the wheel. For a moment, the clouds and mist and storm above him part, and he can see the ocean hundreds of feet above <laughs> the ship. <laughs> the wheel is just twisting. He's knocked out. He awakens on the pirate ship. It's crashed into this cove. The ship is nearly split in half. It's inoperable. Everyone's knocked out, and he's tied to this wheel. And there's something in the water... Something big, some little island, some Atlantic island, but it seems kind of tropical, and there's something moving in this cove, and my God, it's fucking huge. It's almost a dinosaur. He's never seen anything like this. It's a fucking sea serpent. Although the trained eye will, of course, recognize this as Sarcosuchus, a breed of crocodile that lived over 3,000 years ago that is still theorized of course. to exist. Sarcosuchus gets on the boat. He manages to drag himself and the wheel to the lower berth. This thing comes crashing through the boat. He saves three people. Eventually, it corners him, smashes him repeatedly into the side of the boat with its snout, but it can't get in. He ends up taking the ship's clock. You know those old clocks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll run underwater. They'll run anywhere. He starts hitting it in the eye. It gets his hand and the clock. <laughs> bites it off. <laughs> retreats. He's missing his hand now, bleeding to death. Lakshmi saves him. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Do you see where I'm going yet, folks? I, I, I see that I understand why you sell a lot of movies. 
No, it's, no, it's fucking Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Peter Pan, guys, but it's from the point of view of Captain Hook. We, we re-entail as this really intrepid guy. The end of the first act is being stranded in Neverland. The second act, and I don't pitch dark and gritty. I hate that everyone's trying to do dark and gritty reboots. They don't have to be dark and gritty. They just have to be good. Whatever just happened to good. You know, so we... Basically, the second act of the movie is him meeting Peter Pan and the Lost Boys, who are basically Lord of the Flies, except for they can fly. <laughs> Flying Lord of the Flies. He immediately identifies with Peter basically as a son figure because he misses his son, and Peter's going to help him get off the island, and he's dealing with the spy intrigue for most of the second act, and also the Indians on the island and the mermaids and all that great Neverland shit, you know? And then the third act is... Peter's been fucking him over the whole time. He has these kids, like, fucking him over and taking all of their food. Peter and the Lost Boys intend to kill all the adults in Neverland and fight them off. The end of the movie is a huge confrontation with the Lost Boys, who, by the way, have fucking superpowers. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying to fight the Lost Boys. <laughs> he manages to fight them off, and an uneasy truce is established on the island because they're just trapped there. The second movie is Peter Pan as we know it, in which Wendy and the Darlings come in and they basically get Stockholm Syndrome as Mayweather tries to save them. And the third movie is Escape from Neverland. That's a trilogy. It's Peter Pan. I can't do anything with that idea because I'm 12 movies in. I had that idea like five weeks ago. I can't touch it. I can't do anything. I can't write that movie. I don't have time. It's fucking just boiling in my head. I'm not allowed to pitch stuff because I sell too much stuff. And then I get myself in this hole where I'm in right now. And that sounds cocky, but it's a bad place to be. Now I'm in a hole. I have rewrites on five things simultaneously. It's like... Come on, man. You guys are all going to be able to say you knew me before I was in rehab. I mean, like, it's, it, at the end of the day, a screenwriter is the engine of a car. And your script is that engine. But if you got a warehouse full of engines and no cars, what do you got? You got The DeLorean plant. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true, yeah. That's exactly what you yeah. have. Well, but, so... Sorry. You're almost weirdly imprisoned by success in a strange sort of way. I would say I would say I'm not imprisoned because I love my job. Right. It's a really hard job and there are parts of it that suck. Your job is to uh distort, edit, reformat and reequip your passion and and your your sort of babies, these scripts to suit a perceived corporate and commercial need. That's what being a screenwriter is. It's not writing scripts. Anyone can write scripts. Being a screenwriter is changing the scripts in order to try to get them made. And that's the hard part of the job. But at the end of the day, you don't work at McDonald's, so what are you complaining about? You know? Yeah, well, and also, especially if people are like, oh, it must be so hard, just all the script. But if your main goal is to put all this stuff into the world and you have this, this basically uh, unquenchable thirst to get your ideas out into the More. world, then it is almost... It, it is almost kind of weirdly torturous to be like, I just want to make these things and I can't make these things. Why won't these things make themselves? This is, see, you just hit it, Chris, is the problem is without a car, the engine's nothing. I can go home, I can paint a picture, right? Yeah. I just did it. I could write a song or learn to play guitar. I did it, you know? You do a stand-up act. You did it. That was you. But I can't just go make a movie. And I mean, you can say, oh, independent film. Not the type of shit I write. Yeah. Not with giant crocodiles and pirate ships. Not with boys throwing buses through the air in Seattle. Not with Frankenstein standing on a platform as lightning crackles all around him. I can't do this alone. 
And that's the worst part about being a screenwriter is you, you need other people. You like other people. I love other people, but I don't want them to touch my stuff. <laughs> and that's what's funny. That's that the problem. You, then your job yeah. is that you get paid. You go, here, here's my stuff. Please like it. Please help me. Because they're never, you know, I don't know how much you guys know about the screenwriting process, but notes are a, a bitch. I know, well, I know it from the television side, um, and I've seen it, and we've all worked on shows where it's, it's, I mean, this doesn't really happen to me so much anymore, but but definitely... Well, you, because you're an icon now. You, well, that's definitely not true. But uh, it, it, but they, but you get these insane notes. They're like, why does that... Why would I have to... How would yeah. that make any sense? Why would that person... Why would I need to do it's, that? It's rough, but the thing you have to remember... And here, if anyone's a screenwriter out there who's working or who's gotten a note they don't like, here's what you have to remember... And this is the only thing that keeps me sane is that they're trying to make the movie too. No one here is your enemy in that room. No one there is giving you notes to fuck with you. They're giving you notes because that's what they need you to do to move the movie to the next level. And as long as you can think of it that way, you will be excited for every rewrite. It'll be rough, but once you get that through your head, you get a note that you hate, and you if you can separate from your ego... Your pejorative ego telling you, hey, man, this is your art. Don't change it. If you can separate from that and take your art and reshape it, that's the job of being a screenwriter. And maybe and you get a movie made. Babies. And, ultimately, and, and ultimately, you're right because we are lucky that we get to do this. For, right? I mean, it's so silly what we get to do for a job. Like, oh, I get to do stuff that I love and get paid for it? Right. What? Come I, on. I someone's going to figure out that's not right. I worked at McDonald's for a long time. Oh, you, know? you did? And like, and I worked at Stop and Shop. I worked at a Halloween store. I just, I sort of, at the end of the day, I just feel really happy and lucky most of the time. Yeah. Except for about girls. <laughs> well, they're tough to, you know, relationships are tough to figure out, especially if you, you know, especially if you do have a very strong point of view. It's, it's, you know. Well, it's hard, it's hard, especially for me, because I tend to bowl people over. Like, uh, girls will just fall in love with me and then realize two months later that I'm kind of a jerk. <laughs> and they'll be like, wait a minute. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you I'm kind of a jerk. And so, my again, part of my goal is to eventually... Spread never, it out over 10 years. Never be part... Yeah, spread it out <laughs> to 10 years or never never be kind of a jerk. And, eh, and never, it's easier to spread it. Yeah, I think you're right. Always never be kind of a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I definitely think, you know, I think it, I think pretty quickly the nepotism question went away, like when people started to see your work and they're like, oh, okay, no, actually he is a talented you guy. You want talk and about nepotism. That's a whole thing. I mean, it, it's uh, my, my story of nepotism is very easily ended, which is that how many movies has John Landis made in the last 10 years? <laughs> right. I saw him at the movies once. He is an awesome guy. And I love my dad, but my dad has never really been in a position the best way to say this is he's never been in a position to help me sell something and i should add that studios no matter what you might hear about they don't give a shit they don't give a shit they care about money they care about money they might they're not going to buy a script as a favor they might as well buy you a house you know it's like (laughs) i know i see i see stuff like that a lot of times where people are like hey how come this thing happened in your show, and you're like, it, things don't work that way. Yeah, there is a company, and they want to make money. <laughs> and, and that came a, up with uh, when Girls like came out on HBO. Well, they, Everyone's oh, like, I was like, oh, of course they got a show. Look where their parents are, but the fucking show was good. Who are their parents? Who are their parents? Um, well, well, that's uh, like you know, J.J. Abrams' parents were television producers. Yeah, he yeah. was he had, like very successful television producers. No one knows that. I mean, yeah. like so many people have, because you always have sort of a foot in somewhere. 
you always have you everyone sort of has to know someone that's the first key and who you know could be an assistant at CAA it could be someone your best friend it could be a director you met it could be anyone but no one just walks in with a script and sells it as far yeah. as I know I don't even think like the head of a studio could just give their kid a movie like there are too many yeah, I really, there are too there, many, yeah. too many yes there are too many factors involved and too many other people to sort of check them out like you, you just Checks can't balances. you just can't give someone like ah let's just give that kid I mean like maybe in the old studio the system old studio days, days you definitely but could, but not but now because no. because companies are run by mega corporations that are driven by uh, you know ticket sales and ad dollars yeah. and so that's that's where the decisions well, are the, being and, made and that's why it was so upsetting to hear people say like it's like oh girl sucks because it's like uh, you know the, the lead girl Lena Dunham her mom is a huge artist uh, Brian Williams' daughter is one of the actresses like that would get her David an H- Mamet's like daughter. that would get them an HBO show because yeah, exactly. Brian Williams is their dad no yeah. it, it has to it has to the work has to stand stand on its own yeah, yeah. It's, it's what's the most interesting is how how much stuff is just bad and you're like how'd this happen because there's a thing going on that you just hit on. That is very important to me to get out. This is a good platform to get it out if anyone's still listening after my rant about the insane asylum. If anyone's still listening right now, you should know the reason studios are making all these remakes and all of these reboots and all of this IP, intellectual property, pre-standing things, has nothing to do with Hollywood being intellectually bankrupt or creatively bankrupt. All it has to do with is a bottom line of we need to make money. Yeah. We there are plenty of great scripts out there. It's not like it's not when people are at home. Like I'm going to write a new idea. There are plenty of great scripts floating around. No, it's the easiest way, and you know, guaranteed. It's the easiest way to get a consumer's consumer's attention in a marketplace that's overcrowded with content between the internet and television and movie. And I'm not saying I love it or agree with it, but in the in the in the minds, I think of the marketing people who are running the studios. They say, "All right, we have two movies. One of them's a beautiful." Uh, film that has it has lovely moments and comedy, but no one's heard of anyone in it, and no one and no one really know recognize anything. Right. And there's this other thing where we're gonna remake, you know, Police Academy Four. Well, people have heard of Police Academy, right. so they're flipping through their papers. They're gonna go, "Oh, I've heard of this thing." Why That's are we wh- remaking the fourth one? Because well, that's on patrol. Favorite. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the first one, is Origin. You gotta go Origin story. <laughs> no, no, no. The first one. <laughs> you know, everyone Police knows Academy how begins. it works. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Mahoney's origin story. Actually, Mahoney's origin no, no, story no. was in the first Police Academy. Yeah, you gotta go deeper than that. You gotta go with uh, Lieutenant. Now, I have not uh, seen Police Academy in many years, but I always remember it being a fun movie. Yeah, it is. It still is. I thought it's the first, I even thought the third one was uh, Citizens on Patrol with Citizens David didn't, Spade. Didn't every time it would have less of the original yeah. cast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. think the fifth one, Mission to Miami, was the first one without uh, anyone from the first. Well, one. no, no there was still Miami. Some people. It wasn't Miami. It was Moscow. No, Mission. that was six. There were was, six police. I know that there yeah. are like twelve Land Before Times. There's a bunch of Land Before Times. It's weird. Those are it's easy. Like, those straight to DVD movies yeah, for kids. There are like a hundred of them. It's weird though. It's, it's like kind of like a being Sharp really into a band. You're like really into a band, and then you're like, oh, they're still putting out records. There's like five records since I stopped. They didn't just disappear when I lost interest. The opposite thing happens to me. I, I my favorite band is a band called The Servant. I found out about them like five weeks after they broke up. They oh, yeah. And I was like, and I don't like, I have the worst taste in music of anyone I know. Oh, uh, subje- I'm right here. Subjectively. What do you listen to? I listen to like 102.7 Kiss FM and I'm singing along to Katy Perry. I, <laughs> That's I, me. I've been to 42 Dave Matthews concerts. Crush me. Yeah, yeah. Well, close. Oh, here's go. He's good. Things go, you He went do. crush, not crash like you assholes. Crash. Okay. September twelfth at the bowl. You're, you're the one who's September twelfth at the bowl. Here, wait, wait. Uh, you, uh, you do. Uh, 
What's the what's the song where they're fucking while the end of the world? Uh, when the when, when the, world the world ends. ends. Yeah. When the world ends. That song's yeah. fucking sexy, yeah. man. Put that on during sex. Have weird sex for yeah. four minutes. Yeah. Put on the Paul Oakenfeld sex. remix from Matrix Reloaded soundtrack. But you can have longer sex. Jazz. <laughs> mushroom jazz. Mushroom jazz. <laughs> mushroom jazz. It's a very specific Mushroom time. jazz is the sounds mushroom. I make with my mouth while I'm on mushroom. Yeah. Mushroom yeah. jazz. Beep, boop, dop, dop. Yeah, that's fun. Mushroom jazz. Now, it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing to me that you can handle... I'm always fascinated by anyone who can handle drugs. I love... Uh, I'm going to... I should... I'm worried about my <laughs> maybe, reputation. Maybe don't say it. I d- I do there. I do one drug, and I do it a fair amount, and I just think. And you do it well. And I think it's I think it's the best drug. It's the only drug I know of, just even have heard of that's completely not addictive. Upper or downer? Uh, neither. Uh, it's Super Mario does a lot of them. Ah, those are great. Yeah, the drug's called being in love with a princess. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's the called drug, having a weird the friend. Dr- the drug is called turtle crushing. <laughs> it's where you take a turtle and you ground it up. And you if I it. if I see a question mark, I have to hit it with my head. That's the yeah, that's the side effect. Yeah, that's yeah, the side yeah. effect. It's, it's it's weird because like I, it's another thing was to impress a girl, but I just, I don't know. It, I, I drugs are interesting to me because I hate, I don't like that moment uh with a lot of drugs where you're like wait what am i doing and like that's why i don't smoke weed at all is because it just Mm. like slows down my thought process and normal mundane thoughts seem like they're really profound and you're like wow that's the funniest thing in the world and then later you're like that's so stupid that doesn't happen to you on the other one no the other one i have real deep insights about myself and my personality it only lasts for like three hours it makes everything look Oh, fantastic. fantastic. They just turn up the color, the brightness. The color, and it, everything looks like a fairy tale. Yeah, and it's great. like, this is spectacular. I don't know. Oh, sorry. This is no, that's all right. No, that's all right. I, I, I enjoy it. Hey, Nerdist Podcast listeners, your buddy Chris Hardwick reminding you, you don't need to take drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I, uh, I, I've i tweeted about it. So Just fuck. put on some blue blockers. You have just as much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I, I enjoy that. But my but like every time I'm on it, I, I will have like long conversations about just the boringest of things. But like, but we're talking so eloquently yes, about... Yes, no, no, no. The, the, you become this, this orator. You become yes. this... All of the words in your head or at the tips of your fingers, especially yeah. for me, and you can say these beautifully constructed sentences yeah. about nothing. And they are beautiful. They are. You don't think they're beautiful. Like, if you write them down, it's the cleanest, most beautiful, fluid, cool, chilled no, form Matt, of human I, expression. I, I like the chai latte at Starbucks. You like the one at <laughs> Nordstrom's? <laughs> I do. The Nordstrom chai latte is fantastic. It's a little sweeter. It takes me on a mental vacation. Hey, yeah. hey guys, maybe uh, sometimes I like to eat something that comes out of cow shit. Maybe that's me. <laughs> maybe that's our lives, guys. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're making all kinds of choices. <laughs> that's also that's when just like that's that's the whole thing is when you're an adult like and some sometimes you have sex and you're like that was gross like the yeah. like the five year old in you just comes out for a second does that not happen to anyone here uh, all three yeah. of these guys looked at me like uh, no, no 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 I I find like every time I, I was talking to a guy and he was like yeah man me and this girl we had sex for like an hour and a half I was like oh, oh that's just flesh no, like, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. there's a lot of friction someone hear, has a rash whenever yeah. I hear about anyone having sex for like more than thirty minutes the sex part of sex the sex part of sex. like for more than thirty minutes I'm like who are you yes are you why, why are you not thinking about other things? I yeah. can't climax anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You never want to get to the point where she's like, just finish. Let's yeah, just you wrap never, it up. You yeah. never want to get to the point where they're telling you to come repeatedly. Right. You yeah. never want, like, <laughs> if you go down on a girl, you don't want the head tap. You don't want the head tap. <laughs> and you. T- <laughs> that one? Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. You know. I, uh, do, I, do a thing, I do a thing that I'm going to recommend to you guys. Okay. I'll go down on a girl. 
and then immediately go down on them again without initiating sex. And that gets that gets a lot of applause. Well, that's, oh, quick, uh, uh, quick encore. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But that's the whole idea of like, uh, like you know, uh, teasing, right? No, 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 no. Although well, all the way to to till it's over. No, and then, then done. And then make out with oh, them for man, a second. Oh, man, I don't... Shit, I don't want to make out after that. I don't, I don't tease right. I don't tease right. I just finger a girl and start pointing her and go, you're adopted, <laughs> man. <laughs> and that's the wrong way to... Yeah. Te- that's the wrong way to... a lot of Cosmo. You're, 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 sort of, you're sort of poking at a girl's vagina going, it's weird. You're Hi, weird. How you doing over there, Katie? <laughs> Katie's on the internet right now. Hey, it's just boys being boys up here at the meltdown. So why is she? Pussy? Why is she naked? Oh God, Katie, put some clothes on. I was wondering about the why there's a naked girl in the room. Because uh, she's so disgusted by everything we're saying, she needs to shower as quickly <laughs> yeah. as possible. She's stripping to, off all of the contaminated to, clothes. Yes, yeah. to, to just get the the stink off of everything that we're saying. Um, but uh, we're at about at our at our hour, Max Landis, and uh, this was a delightful conversation. And I hope this was you. Nice, yeah. I hope you feel uh, good about it, and I hope that. Uh, I hope you go easy on yourself uh, and don't. <laughs> I know I, I beat myself up too, but I know I, I sense that you beat yourself up a lot, and uh, and you don't need to. If your goal is really to put more goodness in the world, that is a valiant goal, and you will you should achieve that. And I'll tell you this: um, I was coming into this ready to hate you, and even after I saw you last night, you seem well. You no, seem like I'm, I'm using that. Guy. I'm using that as part of this whole okay, experience. Okay. Not now. I meant like the whole process of having you okay, on. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Start again. <laughs> Everyone is ready to. hate I was me. about to like uh, compliment you. I, I was gonna say I was. I was getting ready to hate you because all I knew was just that <laughs> that situation I saw, and you won me over, and you made me feel happy, and I was very excited. <laughs> and so uh, you did a good job. You did exactly what you set out to do in life. So here you go. Very, it's a very good. Podcast. It's hard for me to say nice things. Please don't make it Thank harder. You. Ask, ask Matt. Matt, Matt ask Matt. Jenna never says nice things. No. But Thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> no, Max. It but was I, wonderful. I'm, I, I'm, I was delighted by this episode, and it says, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I feel uh, like Snow White and the Huntsman made a ton of money. I don't know why your Peter Pan thing can't just uh, make hey, a bunch of really money. Hey, really quick? Isn't that kind of bullshit that they fired? Uh, yeah, that is bullshit. They fired Kristen Stewart off the sequel of Snow White why? and the Huntsman because have... she cheated with the director that's still on the. Not movie. only did they fire them, but I, I think they no, may not be. Still on. I think I don't know if they're still making it. The article that I read was like, and the future is uncertain for the sequel to... I had a meeting with Robert Pattinson two weeks before it came out and was so taken aback by how charming and cool he was. Seems like it, yeah. And that really bummed me out because then like, I would have had no stakes. I would yeah. have been like, ha ha, case do our pads, ha yeah. ha, that sucks. Instead, I like I found out that news and I took it like I was like his... I'm not his friend, but I took it like <laughs> yeah. I was his friend. I was like... Man, that sucks. Like, I really got upset. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is the, uh, you know, for, for especially if he's a re- like a really sweet guy. He was it's so like, cool. It's like, really? You got to cheat on me, and it has to be a thing that everyone in the world has yeah. to know about, and you know that you could hear the collective b- uh, boing of boners from all yeah. the gossip rags like the second that came out. And he's promoting a movie right now, yeah. he was, so he, he was, has to go he out. He was very and... sweet on The Daily Show. Yeah, I watched The Daily Show clip. He it's was, great. He was ducking that ice cream hard. He, yeah. like he, <laughs> he had didn't want to touch disorder. it. Yeah. Well, listen, first Just... of all, you take into account that... Um, but you know my my experience with the Brits is that number one they do not like talking about themselves. Right. They're very like no 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 I don't want to you know like they it, it's 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 very awkward for them to do that. So not only is he in a position where he has to talk about himself, he has to talk about himself about the most personal thing that two people yeah. in a relationship can can. can 
go What's through. That? Oh, nothing. Did, did you just quit? No, no, no. I did just, you just tap out? Didn't need the headphones on I was anymore. talking more about the situation with the movie. I love the situation. He's great. Yeah, mm. yeah. Not about... Uh, oh, the situation. Not about the other... Uh, Listen, I enjoyed Snow White and the Huntsman. So. It's just not about what we're talking about. It is in my head. <laughs> Crazy. Are you, are you, so you're just sad. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're just sad that there might not be a sequel. Yeah, I'm really that's what's hitting you right I mean, now. I was like, I loved watching a regular sized people play dwarfs. Oh my god, that's you guys. <laughs> what? Yeah, up there? Yeah. yeah. Yep. The Comics Factory made that in Georgia. That's sick. I need more fan art. My Twitter page right now. Remember how I talked about up at up to my knees. Yeah, my Twitter page right now. The background is my friend Austin did a drawing. Who knows me okay? She she did a drawing of sort of the two different Maxes yep. without me telling her to do it. I was like, whoa, it's really cool. <laughs> do you have the I take back what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, Fuck it, you guys. <laughs> okay, <laughs> seriously, come back. The come two back. Maxes. Uh that's it. Uh, Max is on uh, add up to my knees. So you're working on obviously you're, you're probably working on the sequel to Chronicle, I'm I would imagine. I'm working on Chronicle 2. I'm working on my movie Frankenstein, my movie Good Time Gang. I'm apparently directing a movie which is really scary and exciting. I'm producing a movie called The Nefarious Woogle. I also have my movie Pied Piper at Fox and then I also have um I'm forget Villains at Universal and then also Amnesty which is being directed by Ron Howard at Universal. And oh, Jesus then, Christ. Uh Remember I said you're gonna you knew me before rehab? Yeah. There you go. Uh I, I just uh completed a new script that I'm really proud of. We're gonna see what happens with that one. And then I might I have a short that I just finished and next then, time I see you outside of a party, I will know how many scripts you've sold this year. Yeah. And then I also <laughs> the number seven. <laughs> I never a and then I also Death and Return of Superman got me a dream job. I'm writing a short story for the Superman annual comic. Oh, no. oh really? Yeah, I'm shitting my pants. That's really cool. You literally are shitting your pants yeah, because you haven't gone to the bathroom for an hour. Full circle! Full circle. Uh, well, congratulations. unlocked an Xbox Live achievement. <laughs> I just got an achievement. The, the shit callback achievement. Um... But uh, we'll, we'll we'll take care, and you know, you 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 will have you back on again uh, in in a little bit and check in on you and make if sure I have something to promote. I would, sure. I would love to hang out. with You, you could just come on and talk. So like you don't have to promote anything. That you can so just co- you can just come on and just, talk. Just do it without mics. <laughs> yeah, we could just talk like people. I don't that's know that about that. That seems hard. It seems harder. <laughs> that seems hard. No, I need the microphone. I need the attention. Guys, Chris just turned it on. He's not kidding. I don't know if you've seen Nicole Kidman in To Die For. I have. She was onto something. I have. She was on to something. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. I'm gonna, I'm Enjoy do, your burrito. I'm going to do a mat. Yeah, there you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah, you're just done. No headphones. You're just done. Yeah. Boom. You should do it like this, though. No, no, those are expensive. Not bad. These are not what if that is? Okay, no. <laughs> right on the thing. Uh, that's what I was trying if to go Don't for. stop. I think the most expensive thing in here is the chair. Jonah did something so good and wonderful for me. It made me so happy. What was that? Uh, Are you recording, Katie? There was a Joel Hodson thing at CineFamily. And I was just stopping by CineFamily to annoy my friends. And then as I was leaving, Jonah was going in. He was like, I have an extra seat. And I went in. It was like one of the most brilliant, inspiring. Max, you do a lot of things to annoy your friends. Yeah. Why is this? Is this like a fun thing for you? (laughs) When I'm bored. You know, I don't have a day job. So it'll be like, like CineFamily will be like, I'll just show up. I'll be like, hey, everybody. And they'll be like. You do have a day job. You have to write like six scripts. That's not my day job. That's like my, that's my life. That's just, that doesn't end. That's going on all the time. This is night job. 
I, you know, I, it's so depressing. Like, I discovered the Gundam style thing. Of course. Le- like, earlier this week. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I was like, hey, everybody, look. And then everyone I know has seen it a thousand times. Chloe has a shirt. It's like, oh, fuck you guys. And yeah. so, like. It's in a vintage shirt, too. By yeah. By this time, it's a vintage shirt. It's from, like, it's yeah. from, like, oh, God, yeah. that's so, like. It's already worn. It's so August. August. <laughs> you know, like, I, it was, it was brutal. And, like, I, I was, I, I did a fun thing today, which is me and my friend Dylan were writing in Bourgeois Pig. And I started doing the dance really subtly. And she, I assumed she would just think I was being weird. Turns out, of course, she knew the whole dance better than I do. Did she get in between your legs then? So, so, no, we didn't do the elevator. Although, like, after I saw the elevator, it's one of those things. Have you guys ever, it's a very unique brand of sort of greed, is when you hear a song or see a movie and instead of liking it, Instead of liking a product, you go, damn, I wish I created that. I wish that had been mine. Well, comics do that with jokes where we see a comic write a great joke and you're like, fuck, I wish I wrote that. Instead of laughing, you just go, ah, fuck. Mm. Why didn't I? I was right there the whole time. Because like the the elevator thing for me is like, I should have been doing that with my friends in 2007. I should have created that meme (laughs) free of a music video. I should have been standing in an elevator thrusting. Because I thrust in elevators so often already. Putting a guy between my legs is just the next logical evolution. I feel the same way about growing up. All that wasted time of having just good friendships. Like We could have just been making memes. You could have just been making (laughs) memes. Why why do you need friends when you can have internet infamy? The best best. The best follow-up, the best like response video to that is at a Korean baseball game. Yeah. The cheerleaders are doing Gangnam Style, and then they pull up a security guard who's sitting right there. Right. And he fucking does the dance, move for move, and the crowd goes so fucking crazy, and you can't help but get chills because you're like... This guy, he's a security guard. He's clearly, he's clearly. Like, a, is, it, is it like the homeless guy with the golden radio voice? It kind of is like that guy. It kind of is like that guy, and he fucking nails Gangnam Style, and everyone goes bananas. I think I saw the same thing happen when the Macarena was big. Yeah, yeah, this, except uh, for come but, on, do it. And yeah, but be like old people doing. It's almost the time. It's almost time for it to come back. But like, yeah. but you have to keep in mind that like Gangnam Style is a very involved dance. <laughs> it's not the Macarena is like. So is the Dougie. Uh, the Dougie is fun. It depends how you do it. Like Kate Upton's Dougie, the one that sort of made it famous, yeah. is not a classic Dougie. Dougie's I like Robert one, Ludlum's two, Dougie. Two, two, one. I don't know. It just sounded I like, like Dougie, a book. Dougie, Robert Dougie. Ludlum from the creator Dougie, of Dougie the Born Supremacy. <laughs> Dougie. Dougie. There was never just one. There was never just one Dougie. It's <laughs> one, two, 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 one. That's uh, what the Dougie is. I uh, uh, there's there's two there's two more things I want to squeeze out of you. Okay. Word, word wise. Uh, is your uh, uh, there's two more things I'd like to squeeze, squeeze out, out of you. you. Yeah. As long as I've got you here, Max. I just want to grip your brain and milk out this pulp, uh, if that's all right. Um, is First question, do you put balls in an asshole? Have you tried that? <laughs> when you have sex with a girl, you put your balls in and everything. Right? Yeah, you just like <laughs> You put it all in there. and then you wait. You put your hand in her butt, you put everything in the front, and then you wait and you wait for 20 minutes and that's sex. Like and that. now we're chat chan. Yeah. yeah, perfect. What do you what do That's you want to milk style. out of me, Chris? That that is Gundam style. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Gundam style for like the first like twenty minutes of me hearing it, and I was so excited. Let me let's. Still uh, haven't seen it. I want. You haven't I've, seen it. No. You haven't seen Gundam style. No. Here it looks like this. It's the horsey. Okay. It's the horsey, and then the thing where he kicks the leg. Yeah. I can't do it. Right. We're so not interesting right now. I feel like I'm listening to. I feel like I'm listening to myself. 
talking in a car with my friends and we're all going somewhere. That's the podcast. Yeah. And we're like, we're sort of like, well, I what thought you knew gonna... where we were going. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about? Well, I guess about? we're like, just going to drive around. Are we going to go to Jenny's house? Are we going to Karen's house? Like, whose party are we going to? Oh, there's uh, no... Hey, Karen. Mm, those there's are girl no, names. Oh, there's no parking there. Fuck that. Yeah, we're not going to go out. Let's go to Jerry's no Deli. Yeah, let's go to Jerry's Deli. <laughs> It's too this, that's the conversation okay. right now. I want to. Uh, I I want you to. You you had said you had a, a J, your J, your James Bond movie. Your next J, if you could if you could do the next James. Are we Bond doing movie. that? Yeah. Okay. Well, if I if I could do any James Bond movie, like any James Bond movie ever, like now with Daniel Craig, I think what I'd want is for it to start like before the da I'd want it to start with Daniel Craig being debriefed by M, being mm-hmm. debriefed by Judy Dench, you know, in MI6. And he is, he's just come back from a mission. He's a little beat up. And then one by one inside of MI6, everything starts falling apart. Like the place is being absolutely destroyed from the inside. Bombs start going off. When it, he gets in an elevator and then gets out right before it drops. All the elevators are destroyed. There's no way up to the surface of MI6. Everything is blowing up. Q's whole area blows up. They're introducing Q this movie, so sure. we'd be able to blow him up. Okay. Everything's being destroyed, and we end up with two other double O's. And it's, like, impossible that this level of a security breach could have come from anyone but a double O, right? So they end up going through this escape tube. They end up out on the end edge of the Thames with guns on each other. It's like 002, 007, and 003. And they've got guns on each other, and they're yelling at each other, like, I know it's you, I know it's you. And then the two other double O's are machine gunned right in front of us. Like, whoa! Because we sort of think those are going to be the two, like, villains or companions for the movie. No, they're both dead. He's shot, Craig is shot like six times in the chest, falls into the Thames, floating in a pool of his own blood. And he looks up and it's Timothy Dalton with an Uzi, has machine gunned him. He sinks to the bottom. We find out that James Bond, the name James Bond, is actually just a code name given to whoever is 007 at the time. So all of the previous James Bond movies are in the same continuity as the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. So they go rogue? So there are two of them, Dalton and Brosnan, have gone rogue. And killed, we don't necessarily see them, but killed Roger Moore and Sean Connery. They're all dead because they killed them, and they've gone evil, and they're going to kill all of the double O's and destroy MI6, and then take over the world. And the reason they're able to do this is, number one, they have all security clearance, but number two, you turn it into continuity porn, which there's never really been in a James Bond movie. You have him encounter logs of stuff that happened in From Russia with Love and Moonraker and License to Kill. All of these movies are now continuity, except for when you show stuff from them, it looks like new James Bond. It looks great. So you see, like, file photos of Odd Job and Jaws, except for they look fucking badass and you're like whoa this doesn't look silly at all the moonraker lasers are in the movie (laughs) and you do a movie like that where you have james bond on the run no mi6 versus james bond and james bond and of course those two are eventually going to double cross each other too oh fucking sweet why don't you make that uh because the broccoli family i don't think would buy that i think whenever you think of something that's so awesome and I, i i justify it by saying that's pretty awesome i think that would the trailer for that movie i think if that came on like before something easy. What the fuck was that? Come You're, the fuck did your down. mic pack fall too? Uh, Jonah's mic pack. Jonah's mic pack. Oh, out. and it exploded. No, as long as it's uh, yeah, put the Daisy batteries. Daisy. Anyway, so it, like, whenever you have an idea like that, that's like, why haven't they done this? Like, why haven't they done? Why didn't they do a Shadows of the Empire movie? Like, why didn't? Why don't they use their properties more inventively? I think the reason that never happens is because. They don't want that because they think no one remembers. 
they are always trying to rebrand. I mean, think about it. We we just remade Spider-Man and l like 10 minutes after the third one came out, we remade it because they're trying to rebrand and make new. New is almost always better than old. It's very rare you'll see sequels directly reference things that happened in previous Because they movies. think with the new, you can get more audience. So you think you get the old audience and a new audience. So that's exactly. why they go new. And they assume the old audience is going to come anyway. So yeah. why play to them? Except for if in a James Bond trailer, like in the newest James Bond trailer in Skyfall, it's just shit exploding. Well, like, it's, it's pretty it's, cool. James it's, Bond no, gets shot off the top of a train. No, no, no. It's a ground. very cool James Bond trailer. It looks very cool, but nothing about it is like, holy shit. Like, if you saw Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan shooting at Daniel Craig at the end of a trailer, that would be the biggest thing on the internet. It's that, almost like what you're saying, because that, I mean, the trailer for the new James Bond movie has MI6 blowing up, a James Bond surrounded by a bunch of coffins with British flags on them. Right. And, uh, and Judy on, Dench on the run. You know, on Connery, they just put a pillow on his face. <laughs> in his trailer, it, though, for the, for the version of his, uh, uh, in the trailer, you could have uh, starring James Bond and James Bond what? and James, James Bond. Bond. And, then, and then show, like, like someone going, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then it's all going. And then we'll have real big fish to a version of the James Bond. God, you're making me. You're slowly. I hope people liked my idea because you're slowly convincing me that it's the worst idea ever. How do you? Because a lot of a lot of a lot of writers, a lot of people, creative types, listen to the podcast. So how do you have sold a shit ton of movies? How do you pitch a movie? What do, you, what do you mean by pitch? I mean, what? like, how do you sell a movie? What? In the room. In a room. How in do you sell room. a movie in a room? Okay. Um, something. Just, You've done it a lot, so just think about what you did. I've done it five or six times. Uh, I've done pitching, selling pitches five or six or seven times, but uh, selling specs is harder. Selling a spec is, of course, when you've written a script on your own and you take it out, and that's the way to bank the big money. Getting an assignment is when you when they had an idea, like getting a James Bond movie would be an assignment, right. getting an X-Men movie would be an assignment. You compete against other writers with pitches to get that assignment. Not a good way to make big money. I, I've, I've still actually never done an assignment, um, but I, I've wanted them. You know, you, pitch for, you, you think them. you think I don't want to write Daredevil? You're insane. So like, like your Peter, so like like the Peter Pan, like the Peter Pan. The Peter Pan thing would be a pitch. Okay. The thing I did earlier would be a pitch, except for the way I told it to you guys. I, I sort of, well, when you get into it, pitching is sort of three things. There there are different ways to do it, and you have to tailor them to the room you're in. And the way you tailor it to the room you're in is you see how interested the person is. If the person seems like they're with it, you have to have really good listening and empathy skills, which I don't generally have outside of these rooms. But in the rooms, I'm pretty good at it. You have to be able to take the temperature visually and socially of the person you're talking to. Because if they are excited about you and excited to meet you and want to hear it, you can go fucking nuts. You can talk for 30 minutes. But if they just are hearing it because they heard it was a good idea from some junior exec you need to keep it to like 10 to 15 minutes. So when you talk about pitching, you're really talking about three different styles of thing. The first thing to do, uh, the first one, and the one that I'd say do the least, uh, is actually pitching a movie beat by beat. It's going from your outline and telling scene by scene what happens from beginning to end of a movie. That is boring to listen to. Unless you're like a really good storyteller, if you're detailing every twist and every nook and cranny of the movie, you're setting yourself up to fail because the moment you allow the person to become bored or disengage, and that's what I'm talking about with the, the social thing, is that you have to know when someone's slowly disengaging from you. You can't afford to be up your own ass. You have to really watch them. 
it, it, the moment that happens, you lose the pitch. You came in and you, you talk for 20 minutes. You set every scene. It's a mess. Okay. The way I generally do it, uh, like what I did with Peter Pan, is is more of a beat by beat thing. You don't actually say the whole movie, but you describe the movie as though you already saw it. So you want to sell your oh, friends. That's interesting. You you want to sell your friends on coming and seeing this movie with you, right? So imagine you went and saw Reservoir Dogs. Okay. You wouldn't tell them the end and the whole story of Reservoir Dogs, but you'd pitch the shit out of that first act, right? You'd right. explain everything. And as long as you don't, you know, you don't get into dialogue, you don't get into what the characters say, you talk about the movie like you've seen it. Like, oh, there's this great scene where then this happens. And you keep the things in order. You're still pitching the plot, but you're doing it loose. And loose is good. Loose is good always because it allows people who are listening, because keep in mind, these people are creative people. They're called creative executives. They consider themselves creative, whether or not they're creative is hit or miss, but they do love story and they do know story. And if you give them opportunities to, they'll fill in the blanks for Oh, they'll for pitch you. stuff to you. Oh, and then it could be this. Yeah, and then it could be this. Careful of that. That's the hard one because that sort of happens in the third one. But the, the thing is, is you don't want them to say anything to you during it. But if you skipped an element of the plot and they go... And you like, let's say a character betrays another character and you didn't, you don't really explain why in the motivations, you just say it, but you've mentioned the reasons for it earlier. Let them be like, oh, because earlier this happened and you go, exactly. And they go, I get this story. You know, you, you sort of, you let them spell out the details. So what's the third way? The third way is the hardest way. And you can only do it with big ideas. Um, and it, it, it's insanely hard. The is third... that only when an executive goes, so what's the big idea? And that's when you can do it that <laughs> Coming way. to my house at midnight. That's when you can do it the third way. If the executive says, so what's the big idea? You're fine. You're like, like, <laughs> you're in the 30s. You need yeah. to, because all of these elements exist within each other. You should have them all at your fingertips. Like, don't get me wrong. This is this is a unique thing to me that I think is really good. And I've, I've been told a lot of other writers don't have, but it's something I'm proud of, is when I talk about a movie, I can do any of these. I know that movie really fucking well and the parts i don't know i'll make up on the spot and i'll be ready to make them up. so you just have to know you just have to know exactly what you, you have, have to know to, the whole universe you have to know the whole universe you need to know what's happening from scene to scene because if you seem like you don't know what you're talking about you're not going to sell it the way to do it is the second way the way you heard me where i really pitched the first act and then i know the details of what the second and third act are and it's like we can talk about them but you know i don't want to take up too much of your time because so, you don't want it well what was the third way what was the hard way the hardest way and also the easiest way, if you have the idea, is by just talking about an idea. Talking about the central, cool idea of something. If you can do that, and that's generally has, has a lot to do with the big idea and also your own sort of, like I've only done it once, um, your own sort of power within the industry. An example, Inception. They're robbers who steal ideas in dreams. If Inception hadn't come out yet, and even not a Christopher Nolan level guy had said that to an executive. It's like, well, I've never fucking seen that before. The question of what the plot is, maybe you can skirt it a little bit. I mean, the movie Inception certainly did. Yeah. You know, you just sort so of, oh, log. wait, here comes the kick, you guys. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So it's the log line, pretty it's much. The, it's the log line, but it has to be a compelling log line, and you need to be able to back it up with a few scenes. If you can sell a movie like that, good on you. Because that generally means they trust you. And Selling a pitch and selling a script and getting an assignment, all of it is about trust. It's about trust in an individual. You stack a paper, an unsolicited script means nothing. You have to build a reputation in generals as being kind of a cool guy. You get to be an asshole later, 
at least I see people being an asshole. I, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm cocky about my shit in meetings, only outside them. <laughs> <laughs> only outside. Only getting in a bar. I tweet, you know, I tweet like hashtag greatest screenwriter live. Just, I don't mention that in the meetings. In the meetings, I'm, you know, oh, sir. Oh, yes. Your idea is very good. <laughs> you know, Christ. like, uh, that was uh, an impression of an American Indian man. <laughs> no, I, uh, it, it's, it's funny because all of these different things rely on two things. How much they trust you and how much you trust yourself. Because as long as you're never lost for words in a pitch, you did good. Well, that's cool. Well, this is I, we've taken up a lot of your time, uh, but I'm so, you know, again, it's... Uh, all my drinks in front... All, all your drinks are cold and my, my old banana peel. But I, I was, come I to a comedy was... podcast prepared, eh? Yeah. <laughs> someone's no, going someone's to fall on that. <laughs> my rubber uh, chicken is under the table. But um, but thank you so much, Max Linus. It was really good to see you. And uh, and you know it's you know a, a, as an outsider being like, what is up with that Max Landis? He's what the fuck is up with that guy? What an it's asshole! Actually, it's actually been really nice to get to know you because you know you're you're a really sweet guy and 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 also hyperkinetically brilliant with with your ideas so thank you for sharing those ideas because i think a lot of people and i know you won't expect this to happen but a lot of people really will be able to learn from the things that you've said oh god i hope so i mean so, I, I really hope so otherwise why say them if you can't help another writer then why are you talking why are you a writer who's in the public eye at all just talk about how great you are you have to help other people that's what happened am to jd salinger he sucked at talking to people wait am i am i uh am i a what is it? The alpha predator? The super predator? Apex predator. I am the apex predator. I am the apex predator. Yes. Yeah, man. And now I'm going to shut off this podcast with my mind. Enjoy your burrito. Oh, my nose. Andrew, no. My nose Andrew! is bleeding. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? You're playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.